Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, let's thank our team this morning for leading us out. Welcome to Connect Church. Uh, together today, uh, we are going to make much of Jesus as we already have and to do everything we can to connect everyone we can with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. So grateful uh, that you are here. And, and I want to say this um, humbly. Congratulations to our Gator fans out there. All one of you. Listen, here's what I'm convinced faith teaches me, Haley. That is what the enemy meant for evil. God's going to work it for our good somehow. And uh, I've already gotten texts from Gator fans today. And uh, one texted me this morning said, praying for your healing. Um, um, and I just pray that every Gator fan would get saved today. Anyway, just um, glad everybody's here, even our Gator fans that we dearly love. I want to say this. First of all, how excited I am about next Sunday. Uh, not only is next Sunday our fifth anniversary, our, our fifth birthday, but it's also our Vision Sunday where we celebrate phase two of our five-year vision. And on top of that, we are multiplying next week into three services. So from here on out, Connect Church will meet at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and at 11 a.m. I just got a report in from our staff right before I came out, and our parking lots this morning are completely full. And, uh, and so it is a good time for us uh, to make it into three services, to make room uh, for whoever God would bring our way uh, in the life, in the family of Connect Church. But as we, as we talk about excitement, as we look forward to next week, here, here's one warning, you ready? Here's one caution. I don't want to miss Jesus today. I, I don't want to miss out on him today. And so for today, uh, the sermon title is simple. It's a simple question, and that is this. How much is Jesus worth to you? How much is Jesus worth to you? Last week, we left the graveside service of Lazarus. You ready? With Lazarus, an incredible moment in John chapter 11. We see that Lazarus, who is once dead, is now alive in Scripture. He is walking and talking. He's breathing proof that Jesus did not just teach resurrection. He is resurrection. That Jesus didn't just preach life. That Jesus is life. What happened in John chapter 11 impacted everyone who witnessed it. We see the fans of Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did. And watch this, they believed in him. But alongside of those who believed, and there were the haters there, right? In fact, so from that day on, seeing that Lazarus is now alive, they plotted to take Jesus' life. And in fact, we not only see his haters, we see his persecutors. But the chief priests and the Pharisees, in verse 57, had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. So alongside of those who celebrated Lazarus' resurrection were others who were seeking retribution. In fact, we see others who were looking forward to another funeral, Jesus' funeral. So today, we venture on in uh, to John chapter 12. And in verse 1, the scene is set for us. And the Bible reads this way. It's the six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany yet again, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised 
from the dead. By the way, Bethany is still known by this event in John chapter 11. Uh, I was in Israel a couple years ago, and all you have to do is mention the place, the location of Bethany, and people know it still to this day as the place where Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. Now, I want us to notice something about the timing here in verse 1. Six days before Passover, meaning Jesus is in Bethany again on a Saturday, the Sabbath day, and he will spend what is the last legitimate, the last authorized old covenant Sabbath day in history with those who are nearest to him. Now, why is this the last Sabbath day in history Because on Friday of the following week, Jesus will usher in the new covenant with his death and spilled blood on the cross. Sabbath will no longer be a day, but Sabbath would be found in a person named Jesus according to Hebrews chapter 4. Let me frame up this timing of six days in this way. We are six days before unjust trials begin. Six days before shouts of crucify him will sound in Jerusalem six days before his beatings took place, six days before nails were driven into his hands and into his feet, six days before the crown of thorns was thrust into his brow, six days before the spear would pierce his side, six days before Passover lambs all over Jerusalem would be slaughtered that Friday night, And six days before the Passover lamb himself would be slaughtered once and for all to pay the sin debt of all mankind. Hey, these were an important six days, not only in the life of Jesus, but for your eternal life and mine. You see, it's important to note that Jesus heading into Bethany was Jesus really moving towards danger, not running away from it. And the Bible says, here's the occasion in verse two. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So Martha serves while Lazarus sits. First to Lazarus, this is an amazing statement. Hey, just last chapter, Lazarus was laying dead in a tomb and now he's sitting at the dinner table. Don't miss the gravity of the fact that Lazarus at dinner when he should be dead. So I think a, a dinner honoring Jesus really fits well here and is well deserved. I can imagine Lazarus reclining at the table, listening to the voice of Jesus, the same voice of Jesus that shouted down death at his tomb. The same voice of Jesus that summoned his soul from the grave. The same voice of Jesus that shook the gates of Sheol. And so I have to ask Lazarus a question. Hey, Lazarus, how much is Jesus worth to you? I can imagine Lazarus reclining at the table saying, is worth my very life, for he is my life. You see, church, some of my favorite moments of worship are with Jesus sitting there, much like Lazarus did, listening to his voice through his word and through prayer, reflecting on just how good Jesus has been to me. Now, listen, there's a lot of ways I can waste time in this life, but sitting with Jesus is not one of them. Time spent with Jesus is not waste. 
It's worship. Don't believe me? Ask Lazarus. I love how Tim Keller defines worship. And here's the way he says. He says this. Worship is seeing what God is worth and giving him what he's worth. Isn't that good? Hey, worship is seeing what God is worth and giving him what he is worth. Lazarus sees the worth of Jesus and realizes that Jesus is worth his time. As Lazarus sits now in admiration, Mary begins to serve Jesus out of appreciation for what he did for her brother and for her family. It is here in John chapter 12 that Mary has totally redeemed herself. You see, oftentimes Mary, even to this day, is portrayed as too busy for Jesus. And by the way, rightfully so. This reputation came about after another meal that she would serve in Luke chapter 10, where that meal became a little more about Mary and a little bit less about Jesus. But I want you to see in this text, in John chapter 12, that she is busy loving and serving Jesus by preparing a meal for him. Hey, can I make this statement? This too is worship. This too is worship. In fact, the word served here in John chapter 12 is the same word we would use later for the title of deacon in the New Testament, meaning this, that Mary's, or Martha's service here is seen by Jesus as noble and honorable and praiseworthy, an act of worship. Hey, can I tell you something that you already know? Every one of us in this room are busy. Your schedule is hectic. Your lives are busy. But choose your busy. For Martha, she chose to be busy serving Jesus. Serving Jesus in her home. Serving Jesus among her family. And so, Martha, I have a question for you today. How much is Jesus worth to you? And I can imagine she'd sit back and say, he is worth serving all the days of my life. And then in verse 3, the Bible goes on, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance the Bible says a perfume. And there it is. We have Lazarus in his admiration of Jesus. We have Martha in her appreciation of Jesus. And now Mary pours this oil on Jesus' feet in adoration. Hey, consider this. In those days, women were not allowed to sit at the table, and yet Mary has a seat. Women were not allowed to touch another man in public, but she does so to dry the feet of Jesus. We see here that, that women weren't allowed to unbraid their hair in public, but she does. And I begin to see in her a love for Jesus that doesn't care really what anybody else thinks. Mary worship. Her worship was for an audience of one. She wasn't out to, to please others. She was there to worship Jesus. Oh, how much more of a worship service would this be on Sunday mornings if our audience truly was one? If we came here not to please other people, but to worship Jesus alone, no matter what anybody else 
would think. That's how Mary worships. And one thing becomes obvious about this meal in John chapter 12, that this meal, this act of worship, they were pre-planned. This was not a spur-of-the-moment event. It was purposely planned. You ready? To show Jesus just how much he was worth to them by preparing this lavish meal and by pouring this lovely oil on his feet. Oil or perfume that that must have been a family heirloom passed down through the generations. And if it wasn't, it was uh, an oil that they were able to pull their resources together and to purchase just for this special event. All of it designed to show Jesus his worth to them. I got a question for Mary this morning. Mary, how much is Jesus worth to you? You know, I can imagine her saying today, he is worth my most precious possessions, for he is my greatest treasure. She gets it. What worship is seeing what Jesus is worth and giving to him what he's worth. And now we take a break in the story. And I hate to do this, but I've got to bring up this guy, this dark and sinister character who enters the scene here in John chapter 12. His name is Judas. We, in fact, get really an idea, an actual picture of the worth of this oil by looking at Judas's reaction to this extravagant act of worship on behalf of Mary. In verse 4, the Bible says that Judas would step up. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would later portray him ejected. By the way, that's John's way of, of shots fired. Why wasn't this perfume, Judas would ask, sold, and the money given to the poor? It is worth a year's wages. Hey, funny, these are the first recorded words in Scripture from Judas. This is how he makes his debut. And he does so attacking the worship that Mary has for Jesus. Hey, you know what I think of that? What a terrible first impression. Terrible first impression. For what Jesus sees as worship, Judas sees as a waste. What Jesus sees as worship, Judas casts off as waste. And yet John chapter, in verse, chapter 12, verse 4, John points out that Judas would later betray Jesus so that we aren't too surprised by his outrageous objection to Mary's act of worship. But Judas does point us to the worth of the oil that she poured on the feet of Jesus. Right at 12 ounces of this oil. In this jar, I have some of that oil. It's too precious even to this day to purchase, I couldn't afford a jar this size of that very same oil that she used that day. But here's what we know about it. For just 11 and a half ounces, that oil was worth a year's salary. That meant this, 312 hour days of work. In today's economy, at minimum wage, that would be over $26,000, over $2,000 an ounce. For the oil that Mary would pour on the feet of Jesus. Man, I look at that and go, man, that's some, that's some expensive essential oil, right? For all, how many essential oil lovers do we have? I, I know y'all. I got your own groups and all that good stuff. 
Hey, speaking of essential oil, let me tell you my favorite of all time. You ready? My favorite essential oil of all time is what they cook Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches in, okay? So if you sell essential oils, you start peddling that stuff, you're my dealer and I'm a buyer, okay? And what, what an incredibly expensive essential oil. John MacArthur would note this, that this nard, it's a very rare herb grown in the high pasture lands of China, Tibet, and India. It wouldn't find its way in the home in Bethany unless it had been carried there by camels from India, Tibet, or China from far, far away. Because it came so far, because it was so pure, it was incredibly valuable. Valuable enough that just the wealthiest of Jewish families could afford it, and they would use it on their most beloved ones to prepare their bodies for burial. In fact, Jesus would look at this oil that she used, see this anointing from Mary for those very purposes. As she praises Jesus for raising her brother from the grave, she simultaneously prepares Jesus for his own. Speaking of the value of this oil in the text, its value is set by the man who knew the price of everything but the value of nothing. He knew the price of everything, but the value of nothing, a man named Judas. Meaning this, what Jesus saw as worship, again, Judas saw as waste. Lazarus, Mary, and, and Martha, they saw the value of Jesus in his worth, yet Judas did not. Uh, John Piper would say this about the text, and I love it. It is a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match. It is a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match, and that is what we see here in John chapter 12. So let me ask you this. Hey, believer, does the worth of Jesus and your love for him match. How much, church, is Jesus worth to you? You see, Judas failed to see the worth of Jesus even though he claimed to be a follower of Jesus. Lazarus saw his worth. Mary got it. Martha was overwhelmed by it, but I can imagine Jesus was a pretty big disappointment to Judas. For Judas didn't amass the wealth or the power or the prestige he was after as treasurer to this king. And it's here in John chapter 12 that John gives really the most damning indictment of Judas in all of Scripture, exposing the wickedness that is found in Judas's heart. Look at verse 6. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. A keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas didn't want Jesus. He wanted the money. And Mary's act of worship was cutting into his bottom line, apparently. Here's the point. Judas saw far greater worth and value in the money than he did Jesus. 
what a dangerous place to be. Remember what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy? For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I can't imagine that Judas is not in mind here. As Paul would write this to Timothy. Hey, church, can I just remind you here? Do not love money. Now, I want you to note something about this passage. It isn't saying that money is evil, but the love of it is. It is sin, and it is suicidal for those who love it. And by the way, can I remind you that God's word gives us a remedy for the love of money. Instead of being greedy, it calls us to be generous. We see this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. The point is this, whosoever so sparingly will also reap sparingly, Judas... But whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, did you know that the handling of our money and our possessions is mentioned over 2,000 times in the Word of God? I can't help but to think that maybe God knew that loving money would be a struggle not only for Judas, but for you and for me. Can't help but think over 2,000 times in Scripture, God knew the struggle that would exist there. But you know what? Mary, in this text, isn't in it for the money. She's in it for Jesus. No, she did not waste money. She worshiped her maker. Mary saw the worth of Jesus, and Jesus saw the worth in her worship. And so what does Jesus do after this attack of Judas? Well, he steps up, he stands up, and he speaks up for Mary. Listen to what he says. Hey, Judas, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. We've already hinted at this. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always, always have me. It's as if Jesus would say, hey, leave her alone, Judas. What you see is waste, I see is worship. What Jesus is conveying is that I will not always be here like I am now. Soon you will not be able to eat with me, to sit with me, to hear my voice, to see my face. He's telling them the cross is coming. Leave her alone, Judas. She sees my worth and she worships me. The poor, as we have our entire ministry will be here and will be cared for by people who love me, but I won't always be here, Judas. Mary understands this. Judas, you do not. And hey, Judas, stop trying to cover your covetousness with your calculated so-called care for the poor. You do not care for the poor. You do not care for Jesus. All you care about is you and you not being poor. Hey, Judas, leave Mary alone. I believe it's this rebuke from Jesus that would ultimately lead Judas to answer the call of the chief priests and the Pharisees in chapter 11, verse 57, the verse we read earlier, reporting Jesus' location, handing him over to them, ratting Jesus out. And so I've got to ask, hey, Judas... How much is Jesus worth to you? And apparently, the going rate for Jesus was 30 pieces of silver. 
according to Matthew chapter 26, verse 15. Church, if worshiping Jesus is seeing Jesus' worth and giving him what he is worth, how much is Jesus worth to you? Is he worth your time sitting with him each day, hearing his voice through his word and through prayer? Is he worth sitting in a small group, Bible study, being disciple? Is he worth sitting with your family at church together on Sunday mornings, making much of Jesus together? Oh, believer, let me remind you, it is not waste spending time with Jesus. It is worship. Don't believe me, ask Lazarus. Hey, Christian, how much is Jesus worth to you? Is he worth serving? Serving him in, in your home by how you love and you take care of your spouse? Is he worth serving by the way you shepherd the very hearts and souls of your children to point them to Jesus? Is he worth serving by sharing the gospel with those he loves and he died for? Is he worth serving the bride, his church, where God has planted you and your family? Hear me, it is not a waste to serve Jesus. It is worship. Don't believe me? Ask Martha. Hey, believer, how much is Jesus worth to you? The giving of your time, your talent, your, your treasure like Mary did with the oil she poured on the feet of Jesus? Do you treasure him enough to invest your treasure into him? His bride, the church, and the work of the gospel, is he worth more than just any possession that you may have? The giving of your time and your talent, your treasure to Jesus, it is not waste, it is worship. Don't believe me? Ask Mary. For what Jesus will pour out on the cross us in just six days from the moments of John chapter 12 is a far greater value than anything we could pour out for him. We must see Jesus for all he's worth and give to him what he is worth. Our admiration as Lazarus did. Our appreciation as Martha did. Our adoration as Mary did. Our very worship. And here's a hard question for us this morning. How much of Judas is still alive in your sin nature and mine? How much of Judas is still alive in us? And here's what I mean. How alive is the tendency for you and I to find greater worth in someone or something else other than Jesus? Can I tell you a challenge for the believer today? Maybe simply this prayer. Jesus Forgive the Judas in me. I will worship you. Guys, I believe wrapped up in every sin nature in this room of every believer is a Judas-like tendency to find worth and worship in something or somebody other than Jesus, Lord, Forgive the Judas and me. I will worship Jesus. My last question this morning goes to Judas. It is straight from Scripture. In fact, straight from the words of Jesus in Mark 8, 36. 
Hey, Judas, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And I can hear, I can imagine, and I can faintly hear from the gates of hell this morning, Judas crying out, nothing, nothing is of gain when you forfeit your soul. Nothing is of worth when you give up your soul. Church, I want you to hear me. Everything is wasted if Jesus isn't worshipped in our hearts, with our lives, and through our obedience. Church, invest your time and your talent and your treasure in Jesus. For there is no waste there, only worship. This might not make sense to Judas, but I bet you it does now. It might not, might not make sense to the, to the rest of the world, but to everyone here who knows who Jesus is and what he has done, it makes absolutely perfect sense. On Wednesday night, my mama called me at midnight. Listen, <laughs> y'all know when your mama calls you at midnight, it ain't nothing good. She calls me, I wake up and say, hey, mama, what's wrong? And she said, Anthony, I've got a nosebleed. Of course, I was like, well, quit picking your nose. You know, just mama. No, she goes, no, I've had a nosebleed now for two hours. And it's not stopped. I said, okay, mama. I said, if you pinch your nose and lay. She goes, no, it, it has not stopped at all. And she said, gosh, I love my mom. She goes, so I asked Alexa. Hey, Alexa. How long do you have a nosebleed for? She go to the hospital. And Alexa said 30 minutes. And so um, we, we were on our way to the hospital because Alexa said to go. And we wind up at LeConte, not too far after midnight. I picked mom up and I took her to the hospital. And for the next four hours, her nose continued to bleed. And guys, I'm not talking a little bit. I'm talking it was all over the walls. It was all over the floor. It was all over her bed and her clothes. It was all over me. I had never seen anything like it. And so we sat there in LeConte, and, and after four hours, finally the, the, the doctors would come in, and they would, they would pack her nose, and, 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 man, she would stop bleeding, and, and thankfully, because it was scaring me so much so that they, they checked her to make sure we didn't have to do a blood transfusion. And that's how bad her nose had bled. I had never seen anything like it. I've been to a lot of hospital visits. That was a ton of blood. Mama, during out that, that old four or five-hour ordeal, kept looking over at me going, Anthony, I'm just so sorry. So sorry you have to be here. I'm just so sorry that I, I know this is just wasting your time. And I was like, Mama, no. You see, I got to rub on my mama's back. Because at times, the blood would make her sick. And she would just she'd throw up. I got to get her ice water because all the blood running down her throat was just too much for her. And so I would get her ice water after ice water. There was sometimes it was the bleeding was so heavy and bad that Mama got panicked. And so I put my hand on her and go, Mama, look, you'll be okay. I can't remember the last time somebody died of a nosebleed. Although she probably was closer than I thought they could be. Mama, don't, don't worry. You see, here's what Mama didn't understand. 
I didn't waste my time Wednesday night and a Thursday morning with my mom. I spent time showing my mama just how much she's worth to me by spending time with her. See, that's what Mary and Martha and Lazarus, that's what they do with Jesus. They showed him his worth. And it makes sense to Judas. Does it make sense to the rest of the world? It might seem to them it's just a waste of time to give Jesus our time and our talent and our treasure, but to Jesus, it is, it's worship. And so I ask you, how much is Jesus worth to you? Church, don't be a Judas. Rather, see the worth of Jesus and worship him. Let's pray together, can we? serve him to follow at his feet and to pour out on him every bit of praise and worship you have in your being don't leave here today with Judas alive in your sin nature call it out of it and see how much Jesus is really worth and give to him what he is worthy of. He says, listen, there's nothing I have to give that could be worthy of Jesus and yet he tells us there is. Whether it's sitting at the table with him every day in his word and through prayer whether it's serving him in the life of our family, in our relationships, our community, in his church. Whether it's falling in his feet and pouring out every bit of praise and worship we have in our hearts. All to Jesus. He doesn't see that as waste. To him that is worship.
And before us this week, believer, we have an entire week ahead of us where we can show Jesus just how much he's worth to us. You willing to work that into your schedule? Church, don't let Judas, Judas in your sin nature, distract you, convince you that time with Jesus is a waste. Serving Jesus is a waste. Investing your time, your talent, your treasure in Jesus, is, it's a waste. It's not. It's worship, as we see in John chapter 2. So I just want to call every believer maybe today identify the areas, the arenas of your life where the tendency of Judas is alive and well. Confess it. Turn from it. And as believers do that, guys, there's some Judases in the room today. I'm not necessarily saying that you've betrayed Jesus, but I will say this, that you have found worth in anything and everything but Him. There has never been a time in your life where you've placed your faith and trust in Him and you have followed after Jesus. There are some Judases in the room. But here's the beautiful thing that Judas didn't realize. That right now Jesus can save you. He can forgive you. And He can give you that new life. We turn from your sins and yourself you follow Jesus right now if that's you I invite you right where you are to cry out from your heart to his to cry out this morning for Jesus to save you to pray something like this dear Jesus I'm sorry for my sins please forgive me please save me I place my faith and my trust in you Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising again. I give you my life. Would you help me turn from my sin, myself? Jesus, I am yours. Hey, with nobody looking, our band up here, they're going to have their head down there praying for you. Nobody looking. Hey, if you prayed that with me today, I won't embarrass you or come to you. If you prayed that with me today, would you just look up here for a moment? I'd love just to see you. I'd love to see your eyes. I see you, young lady. Thank you. Somebody else, it's me. I'm looking over the room. Wait till, wait till I see your eyes if you would. I prayed that with you today. Pastor Angela. I won't embarrass you or come to you. I just want to see you. Somebody else, it's me. I see you guys. Man, awesome. Awesome. Hey, here's what I want y'all to do. You ready? For everybody who looked at me, screenshot that. Y'all are all young people. Y'all got a phone with you. Screenshot that. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.